Um, I'm going to be talking about the good father, the goodness of God. And I want to introduce this by sharing a quote from A.W. Tozer that says, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us, which is so true. Because how we live our lives, all of our actions, everything that we say, all of it stems from what we believe about God. This guy who's just, if I believe as soon as I mess up, all right, my motivation will always be fear. My actions are going to be riddled with guilt. But if I believe that God is this magic genie who's just ready to give me whatever I want on any whim, then you know, my interactions with him are going to be very transactional, one-sided, and I'm probably not going to put very much weight behind what the consequences of my actions are. Right, so what I believe about God is very important. And so today we are going to evaluate, maybe reshape, or celebrate what we believe about God. Last year, one of my best friends um, got pregnant. And this is really exciting because she was struggling with infertility for a long time. So it was a lot of waiting a lot of prayers, believing that God would do the impossible, and he finally did, and she was able to get pregnant. And my friends and I, we were so excited about this, okay, because even, like, growing up, you know, she was concerned about, you know, would she be able to have kids, and so now, like, she had a miracle baby, and she carried him to full term, and then the week that she was supposed to have him, um, the last appointment before she was going to be induced, they went in and they found out that the baby no longer had a heartbeat. And so my friend gave birth to her first child, a stillborn son. I was thankful to be in the States at that time because... In times like that, there are no words. And the best thing that often we can do is to just be present and to mourn alongside our friends. And um, at the funeral, it's customary to like have play some songs sometimes, you know, as you're uh, remembering and celebrating their life. And we sang a couple of songs all together. And one of the songs was, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good. And it was so beautiful to worship together. Someone from the outside could have looked in on what was happening and said, how in the world can they believe that God is still good after what happened to their miracle baby? 
that they were excited. God was so faithful that he provided. And then what? He never had a chance to live outside of his mother's family. You know, we hear about who God is, but often what we actually believe about him is shaped by what we experience in our lives. The things that we can see, that has a bigger impact on us than what the Bible says. So we see children dying. We see friends that have chronic illnesses. We see poverty and people who are living in conditions that they never deserve to be born into. And we wonder, how, how can I serve a God that allows this to happen? What we're really struggling to understand is, is God really good? So today... We are going to let scripture shape our perception. And we're going to be looking at a lot of it. Um, the reality is that the entire Bible gives revelation to who God is. And we need the whole thing to get the full story. We don't have time for that today. So we're just going to be scratching the surface. Um, but we are going into a lot of scripture. So I encourage you, if you have a notebook and a pen, or you have your phone, pull that out, and that way you can jot down these references and um, really jot down these main things that maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as we go along. And that way you can go back and study for yourself and add to and wrestle with what we're talking about today, and that way you know for yourself who he is. So let's jump in. We're going to start right at the very beginning, the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as God brings the earth into existence, four different times, he's creating something, and then he looks back on what he created, and the Bible says, God saw that it was good. All that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So after God created everything, he sat back and said, Ooh, yes, that is very good. Very good. And you know what? In all of that, the only time that we see something created in God's image is, in fact, us humans. Okay? We got to be created in the image of God. But although God didn't, like, create a tree in his own image, the fact that God created that tree, it came from him. So the truth here in creation is that a good creation can only come from a good God. If it came from him and it was good, that means he is good. In the Garden of Eden, then we see creation as it was meant to be. We see it in all of its perfection, in all of its glory. But then we also see the breakdown of that whenever sin enters the scene. And from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to manipulate our perception of God's character. 
We see that in chapter 3 is when the serpent, he comes and he deceives Eve into doubting what God says. Did he really say that you couldn't eat from the fruit? You know, God doesn't want you to be like him in knowing both good and evil. And now this is enticing to Eve. And so she and then Adam, they eat of the fruit. But what happens is, because they ate of that, now they've betrayed the authority and the trust that God gave them in the first place. And in their attempt to seek wisdom from the knowledge of good and evil, in fact, what they received was shame. And we see that because it says now they were, they realize that they were naked. Now they're hiding from God. Now they're separating themselves from God. The enemy, he continually tries to get us to doubt that God is good, that God doesn't want the best for us. He kept you from that tree because he doesn't want the best for you. He wants that for himself. He has you in this place because he doesn't want the best for you. There's something else. He gets us to doubt that. You know, I have another friend from college that uh, we went to Bible school together. And there was a year that a lot of terrible things happened all at the same time for him. Death, tragedy, back to back. And what happened is he started questioning, he started doubting, um, started rethinking what he thought about God. And now, after pulling away slowly, now he's at a place where he wants nothing to do with God or the church. And in fact, very actively fights against it. And I'm betting that each of us in this room have people in our lives that also find it difficult to reconcile the existence of evil with a God who is supposed to be good. Maybe that's some of us in this room today. But we have to understand that yes, God can allow things to happen. There is also a very real enemy who is looking for every opportunity to cut off our connection with our creator. Just like Adam and Eve were then hiding because they were ashamed. He is looking for every opportunity to get us to hide, to get us to disconnect, to be separated from him. He's going to whisper doubts and lies into your mind. So now you start questioning God, the God who loves you, the God who puts you here with a purpose. And yet what happens is when we give in to those lies, what we find is fear, is shame, is anger, and disconnect from the one who can actually bring restoration to your life. And we say this often at North Place, but I'm going to say it again. It is okay to have questions. Your questions are valid. God is not afraid of them. There will always be things that we 
don't understand, that's kind of the nature of having finite humans serving an infinite and supernatural God. We just also have to be aware of who is actively working in your situation at the same time. God is there. Satan is also trying to pull you away from him. So let's jump into some other things that we see in scripture. Again, man, guys, this is like just a few things. But I'm excited to jump into Psalm of David. Psalms 145, 3 through 13, this passage here, this is a Psalm of David. David says, Man, he talks about the goodness of God more than anybody. I mean, time and time again, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever in many different verses in many different ways. But I love this passage because there's so much in here. So here we go. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Amen. Get it, David. This passage, I love it because there's like so much in here, packed in here. It talks about so many different attributes of God. He's great. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's righteous, gracious, compassionate, loving, trustworthy, faithful. And you know what? We, we can see, David mentions his abundant Goodness. So we see that goodness is part of this list, okay, of things that God is. So we can take good, if we're looking for it, at face value in this list. But also, good can describe the summation of all of these attributes of God. Because all of these are, in fact, good. We see this also in Galatians 5. 22 through 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, so many good things. And when we're reading this passage, you know, it's talking about the attributes that we employ when we're led by the spirit. But if it's his character here in us, doesn't that mean that it's all of these things which are good? In James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, in this verse, James, he's talking about temptation. And he says, hey, do not be deceived. He's trying to say, hey, listen, the temptation does not come from God. What comes from him? What we see here, everything good comes from God. And something else that is so important when we look at this verse is that God is unchanging. He's immutable. That's what that means. He doesn't shift. Like it says, like the shadows that are moving at different parts of the day, God is the same as he was centuries ago. And he is the same as he will be for all generations. He's an everlasting and faithful God. And because of this, we can be confident in his character. It's important because if we think that God changes his mind, then yeah, we might question that he is good now if he was good back then. But if we believe that he is not changing, if he was good then, he is good now and he will always be good. Matthew 7, 11. This one we often think of when we think of God being our father. If you then, though you are evil, talking to earthly parents, now they have their sinful nature. If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now this picture of God as our father, what it does is it makes him personal. Our God is a personal God. We're precious to him. We're his children. Remember, we were made in his image. Nobody else gets to say that except for us as his children. And throughout history, throughout the Bible, we see that God did whatever it took so that he could be with his children. In the garden, he walked alongside them. In the early days in the Old Testament, he resided in the tabernacle. Then in the New Testament, we see he actually sent his son to physically live beside us. And then when he ascended into heaven, then he said to be without him. An impersonal God wouldn't care what happened to us. But our God cares. He wants to know about all of your hurts, about all the sticky situations, I mean, if y'all read the Old Testament, <clears throat> there are a lot of people who are very free with their big emotions. And God is not concerned about it. He, he welcomes it. You know, sometimes I read that and I'm like, cool down, bro. And God's like, I got you. <laughs> he, he wants to be with you. He's not afraid of what's on your heart. Yeah, this verse is specifically talking about prayer. He wants to answer your prayers. And he wants you to ask him for things. He wants that. Because God, while he is a king, he's not only a king looking for obedience. He's 
also a father looking for connection. He wants to spend time with you. And when we don't spend that time with him, that's when we get disconnected. That's when we start really pulling towards the negative and focusing on the negative things about the Lord that we see or we feel. But when we're spending time with him, when we truly seek him out and we are daily getting in the Bible to read about him, when we are daily praying and talking to him about what's going on, we are daily listening to what he wants to say to us, what that does is helps us understand, it helps us realize how intimate God wants our relationship with him to be because he is our father. In John 14, 8 through 10, we see this scene play out here, okay? We have Jesus, and then we have Philip, and Philip, he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. You know, sometimes for us, we, we find it easier to relate to or recognize the compassion in the person of Jesus rather than God the Father, sometimes he seems a little distant from us. But here we see that everything Jesus did was an extension of the Father. In fact, our God is a triune God, okay? He is three persons in one, the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is God's Spirit that is in every single one of them. So we can look at Jesus and look at his character and see the good that he did and see the compassion that he had and see the way that he loved people. And what we're seeing is the character of God. That helps inform us when we're like, ah, I don't know know how to learn about this guy. What about Genesis 50, 20? It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, this is Joseph's story. And here we see that God's purposes are good. So what happened to Joseph is that his brothers <laughs> left him for dead. And then they said, oh, wait, here's an opportunity to sell him into slavery. So now he's a slave and thing happened, thing happened, thing happened. Now he's in prison. And it's just all these terrible things that happen in his life. But then all of a sudden down the line, he finds himself as second in command in Egypt. Not only is he helping rule an entire nation, 
he's actually influencing all the surrounding nations because now they're coming to, to him, to them, because they're looking for food during the famine. Now Joseph's brothers are standing in front of him, these guys that left him for dead. They sold him as a slave. And now he's standing in front of them and he sees that what they meant for evil, God was actually working to get him to this place to save not only his family, but entire nations. Even human rebellion ends up serving the perfectly wise purposes of God. And this, it leading that can stop it. Very popular verse for us. When we think of the goodness of God, we think of Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, the problem with this verse is that the good that God works here, it's not for our earthly comfort, but it's according to his sovereign will. It's talking about us becoming more like Jesus. It's talking about us drawing closer to God. It's talking about us bearing more fruit in the kingdom. That's the good that he's working in our lives. But sometimes it rubs us the wrong way because we expect when we read this verse that God should work things together for our definition of good, which is, you know, to make us happy. And happiness usually means our comfort or our provision something that's going to take care of us, right? The thing is, God has infinite wisdom. And so he knows that sometimes we need something that we don't even realize ourselves. And sometimes there's something that we need in our character that requires us to endure suffering. And if God took us out of that suffering, then wouldn't he be robbing us of a greater good? So the question is, is does a good God keep you from suffering or does a good God allow you to become more like himself? We can't manipulate God. And when we get angry at him, we just have to uh, step back and realize, you know what? He knows better than we do. He knows all things. And we don't have a clue what else is going on besides what is right in front of us. So, Let's illustrate this moment so we can really just let it sink in, okay? Also, I just want to wake you guys up a little bit. So who is prepared to play a game? Does adult service, Meredith? <laughs> okay. 
I know, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, you just have to sit there and yell at me, okay? You all can do that. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a picture that's going to end up on the screen, and it's a picture of something, and you're going to guess what it is. But this is a very magnified picture of something. So you got to get creative, okay? It's not just going to be what it seems like right off the bat. So who thinks they know what is up here right now? Yell it out at me because I can't hear you unless you yell. Is it a flower? Possibly. What else? What else do we think it is? Back of the throat. Interesting. Whose throat is that? <laughs> okay, what else? What else we got? A potato. All right. You know, that could be a chicken. Okay, a chicken. What else? An orange peel. Mm, okay, all right. I like where these guesses are going. All right, one more before we find out what it is. Shout it out at me. Fish scales. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Are you guys ready to find out what it is? It is a pepper. Who would have thought we'd get so stumped by the little seeds inside of a pepper? Yeah, okay, well, that's fine. All right, that was like, you know, practice round, okay? We're just getting used to everything right now. So let's throw the next one up there. Okay, come on, we know what's going on now. Let's, let's get our creative juices flowing. What do we think this could be? Bread, skin, toenails. grossing me out now, okay. <laughs> What's another suggestion? <laughs> what? Sugar? What'd you guys say in the back? Cake. Okay. Sugar, cake. What about over here? A lemon. Mm, okay, we got a, a large variety going on here. One more. Glitter. Ooh. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> okay. Let's find out what this one could be. Pasta. Okay, like this would almost make me hungry, but I can't get toenails out of my mind. You know what? <clears throat> we are going to get one, one of these times. You actually have one more shot. All right, so we got to make it good. What is our next one? <laughs> yeah, Hybo's right. I can't even tell what that is, and I picked it out. <clears throat> Just kidding, I do know. Coffee what? Coffee maker? Okay. All right. Coffee maker. We're getting a little more industrial than, you know, food. What else? Like, some of you guys are really deliberating, and it's making me so proud. But I need to hear some of your guesses. So what do you think? A metal spring. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see, like, this being that. But, like, what is this? A what? Jewelry something? Jewelry, just jewelry. 
Yes, okay. What? Y'all gotta yell loud. Honey. Okay, a little more organic. Yeah. I can see like the colors over there where you're coming from. Nectar? Or did I make that up? What'd you say? I still can't hear you, Brandon. Oh, a hair clip. All right. Yeah. Mm, that's a good guess. All right. One more. A telephone cord. Mm, I like where these are going. Okay. Of all the things we said, let's try to come to an agreement of what we think it is. Like, which one sounded really good? Just everyone yell one thing at me on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Coffee maker. Uh. All right. <clears throat> that was the only one I heard because Larissa was very loud. So let's see. Is it a coffee maker? Oh, it's a guitar. It is this guy right here twisting the spring. Who would have thought none of us were that close? Well, we did say spring. Somebody said spring. We were almost there. It was just, you know, a string, not a spring. But huh, the creativity. Listen, we didn't get any of them, but I'm still proud of you. Okay? The creativity, effort, the working with your neighbors, very good. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, okay. So, listen, this has a point, all right? It was fun, but also informational. So, just like the picture. Just like the picture, the first one, we can only see what's right in front of us. Like, our perception is based off of one event. It's based off of one situation. It's like a puny little isolated part of all that God can see. He's the only one that can see the big picture. He sees the big picture of salvation. He sees the big picture of eternity. He sees the big picture of every person that has ever lived and every person that ever will. God's the only one that can see that. So if we can't see it all, then we have to trust the one that does. And we have to believe that he wants the best for us. Since he can see it. Let's, let's take the cross for example. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. I, doesn't it seem... Like, if we're just looking at this incident, okay, doesn't it seem like Jesus was dealt a bad hand? Like, that he had to die after living a perfect life? He didn't deserve that. And then it makes it worse because it's his own father that is setting these events in motion. Like, what? 
How is that fair? Looking at that isolated situation, actually what it does is it makes God seem like he's heartless and cold. But because we have the Bible, we actually do get to see a little bit bigger of a picture. So we know that it was painful for him to send his son to his own death. But he made that sacrifice because he was he made the sacrifice all people everywhere to be good for everyone for all eternity because now we get to be reconciled to God whereas before we we weren't and you know what God he asks us to trust him and it's it's kind of the same thing as if we're asking our children, when I say our children, you know, parents and their children. <laughs> if you have children, you understand. If you were a child, you can still understand this metaphor here. Okay. When we take kids to the doctor or the dentist or the orthodontist or, you know, the chiropractor, all these things, whatever else you can think of, that's uncomfortable for them. That's not fun. They don't like it. But you're taking them there because you love them. Because you want them to be healthy, right? And so we have to trust that sometimes we end up in uncomfortable situations because God, his ultimate, his ultimate plan is for healing. And redemption. Always. And we have to believe that about him. I hope that this is just the beginning of you reflecting on the attributes of God. Of thinking about what it means for him to be good. And as we think about all these different attributes that we've talked about today. We see God as our Father, our loving Father, also that He is sovereign over all creation, both the natural and the supernatural. And in all of that, we believe that God's character and His purposes are infinitely greater than our own. That we can be confident. Confident in his unchanging nature that we can trust him in any situation. So that when a natural disaster hits in our city, or my friend loses her baby, or you face tragedy or uncertainty, we can be certain of this. There's a lot of us in this room. Some of you, you may be facing tragedy today. You may have questions. You may be believing for a miracle and you're really struggling to believe that God is good. Maybe today, you're like, whoa, there's something I never thought of before. You're 
reshaping or rebuilding how you view God. Some of you, you already know all this stuff. Today was just an encouragement for you because you're reminded of how good God has been and how faithful he has been in your life and all the things that he's done over the years. 